Are you ready for the Word? Okay, let's get right on into it. We've been in the series called Why. And why are we in the series? Because I want to be in the series. But uh, um, no, we are, we are asking the question because we believe it's not just why, why is this happening? We think that there's a bigger question. And the bigger question that we've established is that God is not just interested in the what, but he's also interested in the why. Meaning, meaning that uh, the what deals with the information, you know, the, the stuff that we need in our lives. But uh, that's what we do. But then the why deals with motivation. Somebody say Motivation. And that, that's the reason for doing. And we have come to the conclusion here from a biblical standpoint that our why has to do with love. Why? Because listen to what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't that a great, great verse? God loves, so he gave. God's love is the motivation for the reason that Jesus came. Then he says in verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. How many of you know God has not condemned the world? He's saving the world. Because if God condemns, that's it. It's over with. The world in itself is already condemned, the Bible says in the further, further verses, because of sin, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, let me ask you a question. If Jesus is not condemning the world, if God is not condemning the world, then you should not be condemning the world. Amen? You should not be condemning people that Jesus died for. And you should not be condemning people that still have an opportunity to make their lives right with God. Don't condemn. Don't do that. Don't, we are not here to condemn. We are here to love, but love in truth. It doesn't mean we don't say the tough stuff. We'll say the tough stuff, but we are still going to love people because God is the one that can save them out of the gutter into the uttermost, and that's what we are believing for. So we talked about this fact that this is a very relational thing, this loving thing, this, this knowing and understanding why we do what we do. And we said that the key to this is generosity, but not a, just a generosity of gift, but a generosity generosity of love, that the root of our giving is rooted in love. We know that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And to be generous in love towards others, we need to adopt the correct life stance. We need to get rid of emotional garbage. We need to stay on mission, and we need to desire what's best for others. Now, I'm going to give you one more thought today. I don't know how far I'm going to be able to get, but let's download this. To be generous in love towards others, we must dump worry like the bad habit it is. To be generous in love towards others, we must dump worry like the bad habit it is. And I know what you're thinking because I I can feel you already. Like, wait a minute, what 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 does worry have to do with other people? I mean, I'm worrying by myself. I don't need others to worry with me, uh, uh, you know. But I want to show you relationally how this connects. And we've been using uh, Philippians throughout the series, and we're going to continue doing that. And I want you to notice Philippians chapter 4, very familiar verses. We've dealt with these, but I want to start with the basis so that you can understand the context. Are you ready? Look at this, Philippians 4 verse 2. Now I appeal to Yodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women. For they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now, what what Paul wants these two women to understand, and I think all of us understand that, is it not true that when you have conflict with other people, that it saps your joy? Come on, work with me. 
Is it not true that when you, when, when you have, you know, when there's, argue, when you, when there's arguments and there's things going back and forth and accusations flying all over the place that, that, and there's not a sense of peace in relationships that it really saps your joy? Uh, let me explain to you like this way. Is it not true that when you have to go meet with somebody that you are in conflict with or they're in conflict with you or you run into somebody at the store that you're in conflict with, does that give you great joy or not? What does it do? You usually, if you see them in a store, you try to avoid them, don't you? You sinner. Uh, you, you try, why? Because you just, you say words like this. I just don't want to deal with it right now. I just don't want to deal with it. Why? Because conflict robs us of our joy. And Paul understands this. That's why he's telling these two ladies, and I really want to meet these two girls in heaven, because, you know, Paul literally writes us about their problems. I mean, they had issues, so much issues that it's written about in the Bible. How many of you know you've got to have some real issues when Paul writes about it in the Bible? And, and just another thought. When you have conflict with another brother and sister, uh, you've got to work it out. If you say you love Jesus, and they say they love Jesus, and Jesus gets along with Jesus, then you can work it out. See, we need to learn on this side of eternity how to love others. This is what I believe, and I'm adding this. This is not, I didn't find this in the Bible, but it really should be there. Uh, I believe that, that if you don't get along here on this side of eternity, when you get in heaven, God is going to move the two of you in together. <laughs> and you will have to get along. You realize the people that you say that love Jesus and you're in conflict with, they're going to be in heaven? How I many of you know you're not going to be able to avoid them there? They're going to be there. You'll say, oh, there'll be a lot of people. Jesus will make sure you see them every day. <laughs> Are you with me, somebody? Now, I, 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 I want to take this somewhere because let's look at the context of this. Always be full of joy, verse 4. We love that. I said again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. So he's telling them, be, con- be considerate. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Now, let's get to, the, to today's verse. Look at Philippians 4, verse 6. Then he says this, don't worry about what? Anything. Instead, somebody say instead. Pray about what? Everything. So he's saying, ladies, work this stuff out. Instead of worrying about how things are going to work out, he says, why don't you pray about it? Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. In the context of what he is saying, he is saying, here's what happens to us, is that sometimes we are looking at other people to meet a need that only God can. We are sometimes relationally looking at some, or we are looking, maybe it is a legitimate need that they need to be giving, but they are not giving it yet. They, they don't have the capacity yet to give what is needed. And so what does Paul say? He said, instead of worrying about them, he says, what do you do? You pray about it. And you tell God what it is you need, and then you thank him for all that he has done. Watch this in verse 7. Then, somebody say then. Come on, say it again. When you do that, you will experience God's what? 
peace which exceeds anything we can understand. So he's saying sometimes when there is not a connection, where there is conflict and things are not happening the way we want it to happen, he says, what do we do? We take it to God. We don't expect another person to meet the need that only God can meet for us. He says, and when we do that, then we experience something beyond anything else. We experience the very peace of God and that peace exceeds about anything we can even understand. And then he goes and he says this, his peace, somebody say his peace. Watch this, we'll do what? Is it on the screen? Okay, let's try it again. His peace will what? Your hearts and minds as you where? So you see, the key for us is to be in Christ and when we are in Christ and when we are not worrying but we are praying about everything and the need that we have, whether it be relational, physical, whatever need that might be, we thank God for what he has done and then when we do that, we experience something that the other person cannot give us and that we cannot give ourselves, that is God's peace. Why? We are now allowing the Holy Spirit to take reins. We are allowing the Holy Spirit. Why? We are saying, God, we are going to give grace to that person the same way you have given grace to me. And I'm not going to put an expectation on a person that might not be able to produce what is needed right now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to ask you that you would give me what I need. And when you give me what I need, I will have peace. And that peace will be a God over my heart, but not just over my heart, over my mind. Why? Because it's within the mind that we worry. Worry, hands down, is the greatest killjoy of them all. How many of you know that you cannot be joyful and worried at the same time? I mean, we've talked about this many times. Worry only makes things worse. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you anywhere. The more you worry about something, what happens? The bigger it gets in your mind. It turns molehills into mountains. It exaggerates. It gets bigger and bigger. Where? In your mind. Worry is just as useless as regret. Why? Because you cannot change the past. That's regret. And you cannot change the future. That is worry. Corrie ten Boom said this, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. The reason we cannot live the way we ought to live because we are consumed about the worry of life. You see, here's the alternative. You can either worry or you can pray. And if you're worrying, it means one thing, you're not praying. And if you pray, then you don't have to worry. So if you want to be filled with joy, you've got to get rid of the emotional garbage, no grudges. You have to desire the best fathers, walk the extra mile, and you have to quit worrying. The old English word for worry means to, means to choke or strangle. Today's word is necktie. I used to wear those. Anybody know what a necktie is? And uh, it was very difficult for me preaching when I had a necktie on because the way I preach, because my, you know, arteries stand out and, you know, it pops up. And, uh, you know, so it gets very, so I had to change my dress so I can stay alive. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but, but what happens when that, that blood gets cut off and that's what worry does worry cuts off the circulation that you need then you can't think straight because the root of worry is fear and fear is tormenting we're afraid of everything Paul says a mental worry about your future he said pray the Greek word for worry literally means a divided mind a mind that's in two places 
And when Paul is writing this letter, we can say, well, okay, he had everything together. He did not. He literally lost everything. He is old, and that's not a bad thing. He's in prison. He's in poor health. He's lonely. He's living in a dungeon in Rome. He's chained to a Roman Praetorian guard 24 hours a day. How would you like to be chained to someone 24 hours a day? Hello, somebody. They've taken away everything from this guy. He has no friends. People have left him. The pe- people have deserted him. He writes about how people have deserted him. People have lied about him. And he has no freedom whatsoever. He even has no privacy since the God is chained to him 24 hours a day. But there's one thing that they could not take away from Paul. And what is that? That's his joy. Because Paul would say, even if you kill me, Hey, you're actually helping me. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, you talk about something to worry about, somebody killing you. Really losing your life is pretty serious. But listen to how Paul puts this in Philippians chapter 1. And I'm reading from verse 19 out of the message paraphrase. I I love how Eugene Peterson puts this. It's so cool. He says, I'm going to keep that celebration going because I know, listen to these words, I know, what does he know? How it's going to turn out. Folks, do you realize you are in a rigged game? Do you realize that you actually know the outcome of how things are going to be before you see the outcome? Because Jesus has already told you that he has overcome the world. He's already told you that he has overcome. He's already shown you that at the end. Now, there might be some tough times. There might be some difficult times. There might be some perilous times. But in the end, Jesus has already, he's not going to win. He has already won. Now, watch this. I love this. He says, I'm going to keep the celebration going because I know how it's going to turn out through your faithful prayers and the generous response of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love that. Everything he wants to do in and through me will be done. Do you believe that about yourself? I can hardly wait to continue on my course. I don't expect to be embarrassed in the least. On the contrary, everything happening to me in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known. Regardless of whether I live or die, they didn't shut shut me up. They gave me a pulpit. Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Life versus even more life, I can't lose. Oh, my goodness sakes, alive. I can't lose. We are so consumed about all the worry of life. If you want a joyful life, if you want to get out of the dumps and get into joy, into the joy zone, you need to get in line with God's purpose for your life. You need to make the statement when you say, God, I give you myself to you, and I want you to put your purpose in my life. People who live their lives on God's purpose are people who have joy. How many of you know when you begin to live on purpose for the very purpose that you were made for, all of a sudden life makes sense. And all of a sudden, guess what? The joy goes up, the worry goes down. I love what Sidney J. Harris said. He said, when I hear somebody sigh, life is hard. I'm always tempted to ask, compared to what? Church, is it not true that we are worrying about everything right now? And we, people say, well, I have reason to worry. Gas prices are, you know, I, I filled up my truck yesterday and I had to get a second mortgage to do that. 
How many of you know it's dangerous at the pump? You better, you better be spiritually prepared when you go to the gas station. Anybody, otherwise, you might cuss. It's a test of your holiness. Really, that's what it is. But is it, I mean, there are so many things to worry about. We worry about the gas price. We worry about what they teach kids in schools. We, we worry about this. We worry about the inflation. We worry about all the stuff and all the stuff that is added. Then the people are saying, well, you know, you, 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 you don't realize, uh, you, know, the, 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 you know, the earth is busy, it's busy burning up. And, and you know, we've got, we've got global warming and we've got the earth warming up and all this stuff. And uh, I mean, and then, well, let's make changes. And then, you know, you're forced to buy, they tell me I have to buy an $80,000 electric car, but I can't even and afford my $40,000 truck. Are you with me, somebody? So I got to spend $80,000 and then I got to take that, that electric thing and I got to charge it at my house with the electricity that has got to come from somewhere. And how many of you know you need stuff to make electricity? And then to make the batteries for the car that I'm driving that I'm now being green in. And I'm not mocking this. I'm just saying there's always an issue. You can always worry about something. And then, oh, you know what? Yeah, you know, it's just maybe pretty soon they're going to tell us to go ride horses. <laughs> but then they're going to take the horses away because horses fart. And that's not good for the environment. There's too much gas. I mean, apparently we can't eat cow anymore. Anybody heard that? Because cows fart too much. I'm just saying, if you want to worry, there's a lot to worry about. Then pretty soon they're going to tell us to walk. The only problem is we have rubber in the soles of our shoes, and that's not good. And that actually touches the earth. That's not good for the environment. So where, where, where are the, th there are so many consuming things, the stock market going up, the stock market going down, this happening, that happening. And can I tell you something? It's all about taking your mind away from the very purpose that God has placed you here. God has placed you here in this place, in this city for a reason. God has given you the job he gave you for a reason. Everybody, and I know I'm going to get some letters for this, and I don't care. Everybody wants to run away from California. We got to get out of California, man. Can I tell you what? I ain't going anywhere. You know why? Because I did not come to tickle giants. I came to kill them. And if God is going to use us, then listen, this is not a pleasure boat. Are you with me, somebody? This is not a cruise ship. We are on a refuge, rescue vessel. And we are fishing for the kingdom of God. And even, listen, if they say, because we were at a, at a church conference, and every time, I, I'm not making this up, people heard that we were from California, they literally bowed their heads and prayed with me. Yeah. You're from California? Oh. Oh, he's praying for you. I said, oh, and I just smiled. That one guy said, why are you staying? I said, you know what? I'm staying because I'm at, I'm at the mouth of hell and I'm grabbing people out of there one at a time and I'm telling them there's a better way to live. This is God's purpose. I ain't going anywhere because God can use a young man with one stone and a sling and it will hit the target every time. Why would I worry about something I cannot control? Well, what if they throw you in jail? Then they give me a new audience, a captive audience. 
We are so concerned about the, 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 Jesus tells us very clearly. He said, do not fear him who can kill the body. Fear him who can cast the soul into hell. What is worth more than your soul? Jesus asked. Is anything more valuable than the souls of men and women? Church, let's get out of the mindset and let's get out of this political attitude that we have and let's get into a kingdom mindset and let's take where God has placed us and let's look for the opportunity instead of the problem. And let's say, well, you know what? If politicians can't sort it out, then maybe God can give wisdom to the church. If they can't, well, you know, you know that we are not here to make excuses. We are here to proclaim the kingdom and to bring in the kingdom and to usher the kingdom. And Jesus said from the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffer violence and the violent taken by force. He doesn't mean we become violent. What he is saying, that John would suffer because of his preaching, but you and I might suffer because of our preaching, but we are not backing down. We are not backing down. We are not going to start worrying about those things that we cannot control. So what? Life is hard. Jesus is stronger than any difficulty I might face. And he lives on the inside of me. Am I talking to anybody today? COVID or no COVID. I mean, now suddenly COVID has disappeared. I mean, what, only a year ago we were so consumed with COVID, a year and a half ago we couldn't come out of our houses. Did somebody knock out COVID? I don't know. But what I'm saying is this things are going to come and it's to sidetrack you and get you off purpose so you can worry about things that will never matter in eternity and get angry at people that Jesus died for. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'll give you that 20 bucks afterwards. I made him a promise. I said, if you say that at the right time. Matthew 6, let's, let, let me land this. I need to land this. Some of you are getting nervous that you, you're going to miss your games. Thank you so much. I'll give that guy 50 bucks. Matthew 6, 24, watch this. I didn't put it in, but it's very familiar. You can go look uh, in your phones or in your Bibles. Jesus makes a statement. No one can serve two masters, for you'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And Je Jesus makes it very clear. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's why I tell you. Listen to this. That's why I tell you. Jesus is saying this. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Somebody say, look at the birds. Then he says, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Have you ever looked at a bunch of crows? What do they do? They're annoying. Ah, 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 ah. You know, you know, it's funny. I got to tell you the story. Every time I'm out of, uh, you know, somewhere trying to record something for the church, either a short message or whatever, crows always show up. They do. 
The other day, when I was in Africa, I wanted to record, I recorded something real nice, and about 30 seconds in, here Crow comes all by himself, and he's just sitting watching me, and then saying, ah, ah, ah. I'm like, shut up. He goes, ah, ah, ah. But have you ever noticed they don't work? How many have ever heard a crow say, work, 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 I gotta go to work. I gotta soak today, man. I gotta soak. I'm chained. I gotta go. Have you, ever, have you ever heard a bird do that? What do birds do? They fly around, find food, eat, poop, have a great time. They're just enjoying the life that were given to them. And Jesus said, hey, did you notice your heavenly father feeds them? And he says, aren't you worth way more than birds? He says, is your value not much greater than, than a bird? And then he, then he says this, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Guys, hear me now. Worry is a subtractor. It takes away from you. It does not add to your life. And then Jesus goes on and he tells us why we shouldn't worry. And he tells us about the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow. And he says, you've got to understand Solomon in all of his glory. Think about the wealthiest person that they knew in all his glory was not clothed like the heavenly father clothes these flowers. Why is Jesus using that? Again and again, he's trying to remind them that you've got to remember you have a covenant. You are not fatherless. You are not orphans. We've got to understand we have to build that into our lives. And then he says this powerful words that we've quoted so many times. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about manana. Right? I checked with Dr. Joe. That's Hebrew for tomorrow. Actually, that's Span Hebrew. Spibru. It's Spibru is what it is. It's Spanish and Hebrew mixed together. Turn to your neighbor and say, manana. Come on, tell them, manana. Say, don't worry about manana. Don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Because you see, here's the key. Here's what you have to understand. Uh, and, and I love this. And if you haven't read this book, I'm encouraging you. Read it. Get it. Dr. Joe, you have some more books available, right? It's God at center. And, and, and literally, it's helping us to understand that that's everything that we do. When God is at center, that means I'm seeking the kingdom first. When I buy a house, the first question is not, do I want to live there? The first question is, does God want me to live there? And then I ask the question, what is the kingdom purpose behind the purchase? Because I'm going to spend God's money that he's blessed me with in order to buy that. What do I want God to do through me? Is it a neighborhood I want to reach? It is, a, is it a vicinity that, that I want to go into so I can reach others for Christ? Or is it all about my pleasure? Is it all about me? Is it all about what I want, what I desire? Everything that we do has to have a kingdom mindset and a kingdom purpose behind it. That's living from the center of our lives. That's saying, God, you are at center. It's not a priority list, one, two, three, four, five. It is God in the middle, and from there we do everything else. You don't have to clap, throw money. I love this next statement. Worry is not, be, is not believing God will get it right. 
and bitterness is believing God got it wrong. See, when you're consumed about your future and you're so worried about it, what you are saying, your father is not able to take care of you if everything changes. Yeah, I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know we all have to live. I know we all have to eat. I understand that. You understand that. But I I want you to know you have to rest in the fact that either you are of this kingdom or you're not. Either Jesus Christ is in you and he is the Lord of your life or he's not. And if Jesus, the Lord of your life, told you not to worry, then my encouragement to you is don't worry. I'm not saying be stupid and foolish, but I'm saying don't worry. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide your life and allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to get through the difficulty that you're in. Just like Paul is saying, he's saying I'm in this jail, but guess what? I'm preaching the gospel. He says I'm in this place, but I keep on moving forward. He says it doesn't matter. Come how or high water, sink or swim, live or die. I live for the glory of God. Why? Because it's not about what happens to me every day. Here's what I know. In him I live and move and have my being. It is in Christ, through Christ, by Christ. It is in His power that I stand. It is in His power that I wake up. It's in His power that I love. It's in His power that I give. It's in His power that I have purpose, that I have destiny, that I have a design. Why? God has designed me. I'm not an accident. I don't come from swamp gas. I come from God's plan. And because I come from God's plan, there is a design for my life. There is purpose in my life. There is destiny in my life. And I can stand in the middle of all the tough situations. Why? Because my mind is not consumed about tomorrow. I do what God tells me now, and tomorrow will take care of itself. Jesus said, sufficient is each day and the trouble thereof. So don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will bring its own problems. Why would I worry about tomorrow's problems when I'm not there yet? Amen? So to truly be generous in love towards others, we need to drop worry like the bad habit it is. Let's bow our heads and let me pray with you today. Did you get something out of this? Well, I'm just going to encourage you. If you're in this place or online, outside, and you've never really made a commitment to Christ, maybe you prayed some prayer, but you truly haven't followed through, and maybe you, you profess Him with your mouth, but honestly, if somebody were to look at your life, they really cannot tell whether you serve God or not. And my encouragement to you is today is that you would surrender all of your heart, all of your life, that you submit your life completely to God's purpose. Because God does have a plan for you. And I will refuse to live my life without finding God's purpose for me. He has a purpose. He has a plan. And the joy in your life will go up or go down depending on how you pursue God's purpose. Listen, you can have happiness Money can buy happiness, money can buy things, but money cannot give you enduring joy. And that's what Christ offers you because He is your joy. So in this room, online, outside, I'm just going to ask you, if you want to invite Christ into your life and you say, Henny, I want Jesus to come and invade my life. I want Him to be the Lord of my life, to be the Savior of my sin-sick soul. I want Him to change me, and I want that to do that today. If that's you, I would love to pray for you. 
And I'm going to ask you right now, if that's you in this room, online, outside, if that's you, would you just go ahead right now and just pop your hand up, pop it up high and let me see it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. I see that back there. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I see that. God bless you. God bless you. Online, you do exactly the same. Outside, you do exactly the same. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. There's no magic in this prayer. This is not an abracadabra prayer, but it is a way of submitting our lives and hearts to Jesus. So I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me. Everybody just stand right now, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody to pray this with me. Just pray this out loud. Are you ready? Let's pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today, and I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your mercy. Come now and save me. I submit my life completely to your purpose and your plan. From today, I want to follow you. I want to follow Christ. Rescue me. Save me from my sin. And give me a fresh start. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. If you believe that, give the Lord a clap offering that he is worthy of today.